Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Hey, S. Hey, P. How are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening in Toronto and London? I'm feeling like great about the argument we just had. <laughs> Should we tell the audience that we had an argument? Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll be open. So Sarah and I got on... T- <laughs> we it's lo- weird. <laughs> okay, go, go, go. <laughs> wow, are we getting real personal? Listen, also, we were barely arguing. Like, things things got out of control in a conversation we were ha- we were having. And then we might have started yelling. But we didn't yell. It just went south. <laughs> it went south. And we both felt... We both felt like something was wrong, but then we we realized everything's fine. You know what? We're going to give everyone a deep dive into what the relationship of Sarah and Purse consists of. Yes. Tell them. One, we never fight. Ever. Never. Two, when we do, or if there's ever a tiff, because of my personality, I always want to like fix it right away. And I think you do too, but I feel like we still keep, we keep bringing some other stuff up. And then we're always like, are we good? Are we good? Are we okay? Are we okay? I love you. (laughs) That's such a good point. (laughs) That's such a good point because our our fights, well, not no, we don't fight. You just said that. We don't. But anytime we have like basically a more of a tense conversation, I guess I would call it, we just keep saying the same things over (laughs) and over because we need, we both so desperately need the other person to like understand and agree with what we're saying in terms of like feeling validated. I need you to understand that this is the way I feel. And you're like, I know this is probably making no sense to the audience who like doesn't know what we were arguing about. But basically there was a non-argument. Like there was no, no one is mad at anyone. (laughs) I don't even know how the conversation started, but we worked through it. This is what friends do. I have to point out Sarah's an Aries and I'm a Libra. And for anyone who knows, Aries and Libras are so compatible and are really good for each other, but they're also opposite signs. It was something on my co-star that something came up and I think it said, or there was something like communication with like Aries and Libra can sometimes be like, if you're not on the same page, it's hard for you both to level with each other. And it totally made sense. Like there were things Sarah was saying where she's like, I'm good. And then I'm like, but I don't think you're good. Yeah, you got you being like, but something seems weird. Yeah. <laughs> like there truly was like nothing wrong. I was just like, I'm lost. Listen, we figured it out. We did. And this is what seven years of mm. being in love. <laughs> well, it's like when you're in a relationship and you have to figure out like who the other person is so that when these conversations come up, you can navigate them correctly. Because if you don't have a good understanding of who the other person is, then you can say stuff that's really offensive or you can really like, you know, 
make things worse. Totally. And I think that we navigated it pretty well. Listen, when you're so like, I always tell Sarah this, but like Sarah's literally my soulmate, like soulmate Johnson is in my phone. So I don't, I don't like when things feel a little off with her. Yeah. Sometimes I think you know me better than I know myself because I didn't, I, I was like, nothing's up, but like maybe something was. We talked about it we're good and I'm sorry that the audience <laughs> have to hear this. <laughs> Listen, I think it's good for the audience to hear like friends sometimes get intense conversations and you are allowed to and you can just you can just talk through it and then come out on the other side and record a whole podcast episode if you want to. Absolutely. And I kind of miss this because I feel like just our relationship. I feel like I just, yeah, yeah like I just miss there's little things sometimes where I want to update Sarah on and I feel like we just don't have that like everyday thing because I feel like naturally we'd always have that with each other when we were living together and now yeah. we're testing like you got to make the effort when the girl is distanced, the girl you're in love with is distant from you. I've never really thought about the fact that we're in a long distance relationship so for the first time. So now we have to like test. So this is probably like our first tense moment in a long distance relationship. I'll also admit like I'm the type of person I'm very you can also probably back me up but I feel like I'm not that if something's on my mind I'm gonna be like yo no tell me tell me yeah you're a little more like that now than you used to be like you're definitely more like speak your mind and say what you want but yeah yeah I love that about you also it's like pretty much impossible to be mad at you (laughs) it literally is guys it's impossible to be mad at Persis there's no there's no reason to ever be me is a different story (laughs) Um, there's been times. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a bad person. No, none of us are bad people. None of us are. No, no we're all born good. We're all born good. Yes. And the biggest thing is that we talk about things. We actually really do. That's something I like that we don't, we don't let things fester. It's like, if something's up, you just say it, say it right away and you try and resolve it. Yeah. Hundo P. And on that note, Sarah and I are both having a beverage and we're going to cheers. Cheers. Love you so much. Cheers. Love you. Clink. Clink. My lips are so red from this wine. Can you see them? Your lips are always have that like rosy natural tint. Yeah, I know. You can't stop looking at them. Yeah, I can't stop. I'm staring at your lips. Percy, what's happening today? So this is a very exciting episode. Listen, actually, you know what? I'm going to give Sarah a shout out. I'm going to give Sarah a shout out that she deserves that we've never addressed on the podcast. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) I'm excited. But I want everyone to know that Sarah manages the girl on girl social. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I really want, no, but I want people to know that because Sarah is managing the socials. She's coming up with the assets. She is the brains, the creativity, the captions, the interactions. She is girl on girl social. That's what you are. That's right. That's correct. From what I've noticed. And yes, I have access to the account. Your girl purse also checks in, but Sarah also has been doing an excellent job of developing some relationships. And what I want to get into is that we (laughs) met an awesome girl Named Catherine. Shout out Catherine. I just wanted to mention, I so we obviously asked Catherine first if we could use her name before this episode. And I just wanted to say really quick, her answer made me laugh. She was like, honestly, a year ago, I would have said anonymize the fuck out of me, but going to lean into the whole being my full self thing. <laughs> I was like, hell yes to that. I love that so much. So Sarah and Catherine were exchanging voice notes, like Sarah through the girl on girl 
account and then Catherine had reached out to us and it's just amazing. Like I feel like you two have also built a really good relationship. I did listen to all the voice notes. I, I peeped in. Oh my God. It, I can't believe you like have the time to listen. So basically what I've been doing is anyone who's listening, who's like reached out and received a voice note, it's been from me, which I typically will be like, Hey, it's Sarah in case they think it's Persis. But I just, I'm finding it really fun. And both Persis too, Persis has done it as well to like voice note you guys when you message us, because it just feels a bit more personal and intimate. And also most of the messages are between us are talking about like really intense stuff like what it's like to be queer and what it's like to feel seen or not feel seen um and so sometimes a voice note just like lends itself better to that but Catherine reached out and she was like listen to your podcast it was um the episode with Umberly it was the first one she listened to um if you guys haven't heard that one it's episode number five go ahead and take a listen it was such a good conversation anyway she just reached out to us to kind of be like, hey, like, th- like that was a great episode and thanks for thanks for this podcast. So we reached out back to her. We said, thank you so much. We kind of got into a conversation and she basically said that she had this like topic idea for us that was basically about like when you realize you're queer and you feel like you're the only one and you have limited people who you can reference in your immediate life who are like you in air quotes. When listening to this episode that we did with Umberly, she was she was hearing both Umberly and Persis' stories and she was kind of really identifying with this idea of like you think you think you're the only one and then you realize that we all have such similar experiences. Many of Umberly's experiences Persis really related to and listening to that Catherine was like, I've had those experiences too and like it's easy to think you're alone, but then as soon as you find just even a podcast episode in the in the void you can you can feel less alone like immediately so she was kind of talking about this idea of community and what community means to queer people what shared experiences mean to queer people and just had this thought she wanted to share with us anyway that transpired to her basically sending us an entire mailbag audio so this is our first mailbag yay clap Clap, 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 clap. (laughs) And it is from Catherine. She is the best. We love her. And she sent us this amazing audio clip telling us her story and also talking about her struggles with finding community, which Persis can really relate to, which we're going to talk about. And also just kind of what it's like to still struggle with finding community today. Yeah. And I was very moved when I heard her audio, honestly. Me too. She's very, like, speaks so well. 100%. And Catherine brought the hot girl energy on this audio. So we're going to play it for you guys. This is our very first mailbag. Thank you, Catherine, for sending us this and for starting this conversation with us and also for inspiring this entire episode topic, which is where queer people find community. Hey, guys. (laughs) I've been trying to think of, like, the right thing to say, I guess. Anyways, I think there's the thing is there's no right thing to say to this. All I can really talk about is my experience, but I guess I'm realizing more about what my experience was, even just putting some more time and thought towards it. Yeah, I really, really love your podcast. I think the conversations you guys are having are are awesome, and it takes being vulnerable, and that's something that I, to be honest with you, really struggled with, especially about this, is like the vulnerability part of putting yourself out there about something that is like traditionally persecuted against or made, you know, it's not necessarily something that you get a lot of benefit from talking about. Um, And I guess that goes back to my story, I guess, which is, 
you know, I realized pretty young that I had queer feelings. I even know the, knew the words for it, like grade six or grade seven. Oh, maybe this like super infatuation with my elementary school friend is like a crush and that's gay. <laughs> um, it's definitely like a, th a thought I remember having paired with the thought of don't tell anyone until it's relevant, which it persisted for a long ass time in my life. Because, I mean, even I think I'm a few years younger than you guys, or a few years older than you guys, but um, thinking about it, I definitely did not want to talk about it or let this queer side of myself be known without good reason because I knew it wouldn't come with any perceived benefit, I guess, uh, chance of sticking out or um, being, I guess, talked about not nicely, um, gossiped about in high school. I was just like, no, let's like shut her down. I still was like, and am like attracted to men. So I thought, you know, let's just show this one half of myself and not talk about the other one until it's relevant. So my community experience really started with online because that was the place where I could a find more people like me um, and also have the anonymity and freedom to express myself without kind of personal ramifications. I don't know why I was so worried about what people thought about me, but I mean, that still is something that I think we all really struggle with. So yeah, I mean, I filled my life with queer media privately. I mean, I was like in the South of Nowhere fan club, basically, where one of one of the first like ships, I guess, of queer, queer ships, gay girl ships in, I guess that was like the mid 2000s, as well as like Klexa from the 100, Nobly from Skins, and kind of felt like, a, I guess it was like a little bit living vicariously through their experiences. They became so important, probably to like an unhealthy <laughs> way, but uh, extent, I should say, but yeah, really interesting. Um, that was kind of how I experienced queer community. And it was actually because of people that I followed on Twitter that I kind of met up for the first time with other queer um, girls, which was for friends, uh, for fans of the 100. Uh, a bunch of us met up after Klexicon, which was like a, I'm sure Purse maybe knows the, uh, the kind of con convention that bred out of like the horrible Lexa killing on um, the 100. Um, anyways, a bunch of them had were chose to come out through Vancouver and we met up and that was actually really the first time that by default, it was assumed that I was not a straight person. And that was kind of a really interesting, um, thrilling experience um, to be assumed to be not straight. I almost felt like I have, to, I have to tell you that I'm actually attracted to men as well sort of situation, which is um, bizarre. Uh, but it, it was kind of like that first, that ex first experience of, um, I guess, feeling super normal and comfortable in my queerness. I didn't actually come out until incredibly recently as being a queer person, which is what I, the only term I feel comfortable identifying as right now when I had ye old classic, um, like major crush feelings for someone at work who was like uh, a friend of mine for yeah a year. And that, that went really south and that was like kind of the cataclysmic event I felt just so awful that I had to go deep on the bench and actually talk to my real life friends and family about what I was experiencing because it was um, really way too hard to handle on my own. Yeah, so nothing fundamentally has changed in my life except I guess like being able to talk to people about honestly about how I feel. I think a lot of my mistakes with, or not mistakes, I shouldn't think of it about it that way, but 
a lot of the stuff that's happened in my life has all, that's been unhealthy it's been bred out of not being able to talk about how I feel like holding feelings in for people for years as well and now I feel so much better equipped to like handle when that happens again and maybe being able to act on it or express how I feel to the person instead of um, going so deep just in like my own mind <laughs> and then when things don't work out it's like this big cataclysmic event but yeah I mean just listening to your podcast with Umberly I realize what a ubiquitous experience like with so many shared experiences and I guess throughout high school I mean you know in a conceptually yes there are more people like me out there I mean a large part of my struggle too was like finding having to t I think you had a podcast on having to tick a box and I felt and I still feel like so in the middle or like it's all based on the person who I like and I didn't feel confident enough talking about it until like I fucking knew what was gonna what my deal was and the answer is still at like 33 I have no I don't know I can't I can't select a nice little box for people but yeah like I I base I, I mean I had I knew of gay people I have a gay gay people in my family but I also didn't identify with them enough to be able to even to talk about this which is probably weird I'm probably to unpack that further but um, but yeah, I guess TLDR, the only um, place I have been successful in finding community so far is online. I mean, the fact that your podcast is resonating so much with me shows, too, like that is novel to find people talking about exactly how I felt or have, you know, or feel because I don't have that around me and I'm not exposed to that, even necessarily in media. I mean the podcast that really connected me with you guys is the one with Umberly and I realized I mean so many like ubiquitous experiences that we have and I felt and have felt like you know I'm in the minority of people feeling this way but anytime you are like surrounded with other people who are going through, have gone through like similar experiences you, you realize you have this feeling of sudden normal normalcy that you've never really experienced and that kind of bolsters me and makes me feel like, oh, I can express myself. I can be this way. I mean, it's hard being in the minority. You know, we're conditioned for normative, we're normative social groups, right? Of following the average and trying to blend as much as possible. And when being a minority comes with like visible ramifications that are negative, you know, you don't really want to share that. But when you are around people that, so many people that are are like you you're like oh wait I'm actually the, the normal bitch <laughs> and you feel confident being yourself and it changes the way not only you perceive yourself but like the way you act as well you know I, I feel seeing so many more um, positive depictions in media even like Umberly's character in Ginny and Georgia just being one hundo p herself and zero fucks given makes me feel like oh, I can be 100p myself and have zero fucks given and like, all, you know, all their straight friends on the show or, or whatever they are, are totally cool with it. Um, those could be my friends too and that could be the way it is. Anyways, I haven't, yeah, I really haven't really found community yet around me. I think it's really important to be able to share your experiences and how you feel and I actually don't really know what life will be like now that I can do those things or I'm starting to feel more comfortable 
but I'm definitely having to unlearn the whole keep it secret, keep it safe Gandalfism that I have been operating with for, you know, two thirds of my life. And I can't tell you what, you know, two thirds of my life would have been like had I been able to express that immediately, but I think it might have been better. And I'm hopeful that younger generations don't have to wait until they're like 31, 32 to be able to talk about this with their family or friends. Uh, and it seems like hopefully that's trending that way. But I do know that community and positive representation is absolutely critical because, you know, if you can't see yourself, you can't, you can't strive to attain it. You can't be it. Like Amanda Gorman said, uh, what was it? I'm going to paraphrase. If only we're brave enough to see it, if only we're brave enough to be it. It's one thing to see yourself, but another thing to be yourself. And now I've just dropped an Amanda Gorman quote, so I think I should probably wrap it there. That seems like a logical ending place. Um, thank you for listening to this word salad. I just decided, you know, I've written this out a few times too, but maybe just talking about my experience would be more beneficial. Anyways, thanks for listening. Hope this helps kickstart some more discussion. See ya. Catherine, thank you so much for sharing your story and being so vulnerable and personal with Sarah and I, and then also the audience. We love you and appreciate you for that. We love bringing guests on here. Like we've done a handful and they've all been so fun. It's really cool to have guests on who are complete strangers or hear from people who are complete strangers who have a totally unique story. Everyone's story is so unique. Totally. And something we've brought up multiple times, which we'll actually get into um, with what, with where this episode is going to go, because I think this is so important, but online communities are so important. And Sarah, like I'm blown away at the people we have connected with purely through social media. I could go on for this for a long time. Like those connections, even voice notes, when you're exchanging voice notes with someone who has your same story. You guys are hearing each other. You don't know each other. You've never met, but you also know each other on a different level. Totally. And also me being identifying as straight and then, and then having these conversations with people who identify as queer. It's, it's like an amazing opportunity and experience for me to like have all these conversations with, with all these queer people who can tell me their stories and tell us their stories. But something really interesting about Catherine's story is her relationship to labels and her struggle with not knowing exactly what her label would be. And as we talked about many times, labels, we don't know how we feel about them. If you don't, if you don't identify with one, like that is a-okay. And if you do, that's also a-okay. But Catherine has feelings for women. She has feelings for men. Mm -hmm. I also think it's interesting. Catherine is in her 30s and is still trying to uh, like figure out who her people are, figure out who her, her crowd is and her community and also still exploring her sexuality. I think it just never – I like that because I don't think it ever ends. Like you're always exploring. Whether you're secure in your label or not, like you're always figuring out new things and exploring. I completely agree with that. And as humans, we're always growing. We're always evolving. Things change. Our perceptions change. We're both different people, even compared to a year ago. I could tell you that. Hell yeah. Right? Night and day, it feels like sometimes. Doesn't it? I feel like, you know, a year ago doesn't seem like that long ago, but I feel like a different person. And sometimes I don't know how that happens, but I think that's just like the beauty of things you go through. And I think that's why 
that's why we we don't want to feel so boxed in but like you you also just mentioned sarah i think labels are also important to people so i don't want to like take that away from anyone um but i think the biggest thing is just like just non-judgment and i think just let people like live their lives and and i think Catherine's like trying to get through that as i have too and sarah as well even though she identifies as straight it's the same totally And I think the interesting thing about Catherine's story is like she's gone through a whole world, a whole lifetime, it feels like, of um, like figuring out her sexuality and um, still she's continuing to. So which I can just relate to so much and I know you can too. And I think probably the the thing that really struck me about Catherine's um, story was this whole like how she found um, her community through this like world, this all these other fans of these TV shows, like that's where she found her crowd of other like gay girls, basically, who were like basically validating who she is and making her feel like she belonged. Yes. And I wanted to point out too, as we just heard in the audio clip, Catherine had met a lot of queer people through Twitter of fans of The 100. One thing I have also been meaning to watch is South of Nowhere because I've heard that from so many people being like South of Nowhere was kind of their first show that they saw that like queer representation of these two women who were both like a bit more femme presenting. And um, I've heard that from like Shannon Beveridge and Cammie Scott even shouting out South of Nowhere. And I'm like, I I just think I was maybe like too young for that to kind of be on my radar. Right. But I love that Catherine shouted that out because I was like, that is a show I would watch right now because, you know, it's never too late. I will probably fall in love with those two women and fall in love with the show in general. <laughs> I've honestly never heard of South of Nowhere until Catherine's um, mailbag, so I should watch this. Yeah. It, it looks so 2005. Oh my God, I really want to watch this. Do you want to watch it together over Scenery? Let's do it. I haven't done that yet. I really want to. It's fun. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> okay. Are you jealous? <laughs> no. I watched Gia with a friend over Scenery. Shut up. I'm not kidding, actually. That's rude. (laughs) Um, Who was it? My friend Amanda. Can I get, I'm going to give Amanda Samuel a shout out. I hope she doesn't get mad at me. Amanda, hey. I met Amanda online. That's a good, that's a good example. Um, Yeah, Amanda and I connected online totally through social media. She reached out to me because she recognized I was a queer woman. Amanda came out as bisexual soon after very soon after very proud of her and yes we've like literally become friends um i'm supposed to facetime her this weekend okay i'm not jealous anymore because i think amanda's cool <laughs> and she's from san fran so we can go visit can, san we fran. can stay yeah like i want to come <laughs> also like love this see finding community on online like that's exactly what Catherine did so can we get into a little bit more about how Catherine found others like her and how like online community is so important? Because Catherine loved these TV shows and loved especially like all of the queer representation on them, she went online, found all these other people who also loved it, and then they like met up and became friends. And that's, she, she said in her note, like that's pretty much like the main, the core like queer community that she's been able to find for herself. I think that is so cool. I think it's like a TV show can do that. A TV show can do that. I know people have like, um, like fandoms for the TV show. And I think that's so important. And I kind of wish, I mean, this is sometimes what I want to relate back to like even my journey is that 
I, it took me some years, you know, I was in high school having all these, um, feelings for my friend and who knows, you know, maybe if in that moment I had kind of gone online and looked for that community, maybe I would have felt heard because we'll probably get into this later, but now my core group of friends in high school, my five girls, other than one of them, they're all queer. They all identify in that community and we can relate about that. We can talk about that now, you know, as like 25 year old women. But yeah, at the time I'm for sure think I would have found a lot of comfort in finding some online community. And I never did that. I never did that. And that's okay. Like I don't regret it, but I, I, I wonder what if sometimes. Yeah. hundred percent. But also like, I feel like we're kind of talking about Catherine's story. Like she's old or something. Like she's not old, obviously. She's still trying to find it. So I think like there, we don't need to, there doesn't need to be any regret or like remorse. I think you're, you're just always trying to search for it. And Persis, like, especially with us living together in Toronto, you really struggled to find a core group of queer friends. What's okay. So what's actually interesting about that is that it wasn't on my mind at the same time. I think my core group of friends in Toronto was always like surrounded with you involved. And I think it was a lot of straight people. And that's fine. That's also fine, of course. Any, like, I was happy to be friends with these people I'm connecting with. But I don't think I realized also how important it would have been for me to maybe been connecting with people who really maybe also understood what I was going through. And I think I did get that through Kyle. When we met Kyle and I was like, also, like I said, I bonded with him right away because of the love for Brittany. Right away, that was like, no doubt. Kyle and Mm -hmm. I were just on the same wavelength with that. You know, when we moved to Toronto, I had moved from being from Humber. They were a lot of straight people. I didn't have any queer friends at Humber. And so my friend groups were literally Sarah and her friends who she had made from Ryerson and then we integrated together or the friends I made from when I worked at the restaurant, the craft. Looking back, yeah, I don't know if I had a lot of like queer friends. A lot of those people were very straight. And, but I didn't realize how much I was like going through this internal struggle of trying to like find myself. I only took to like going online in like 2018 to start reaching out to people. And I did. I did reach out to people, just would DM people sometimes, just being yeah. like, hey. I totally related to your YouTube video and I've made friends from that. There's one person in particular I am thinking of. Actually, I'm going to give her a shout out and I'll probably let her know I give her a shout out on this podcast because she's super cool. Shannon Burns, Chum FM host in Toronto. TikTok celebrity. Shannon. She's a a TikTok celeb. Really? What does that mean? Like a lot of- She has like 500K followers on TikTok. What? Mm Mm-hmm. And good uh, job, Shannon. Good job, Shannon. Proud of you. Paris Hilton follows her on TikTok. No. You know what, Alexa, play Stars Are Blind. I do want to give Shannon a shout out, actually. This wasn't even planned. I feel like this was just coming out of my mouth. But, um,. <laughs> This whole podcast is just things coming out of your mouth. Um, no, I do want to give Shannon a shout out because she was someone I reached out to. And like, like I said, I think it was 2018, but I think she was actually one of the first people who I knew identified as a lesbian where I kind of reached out and was like, Hey, 
what's up? I'm in Toronto. Like we kind of just became friends, but we didn't meet up, I, I think for like a year and we ended up grabbing drinks and then we like connected and we became friends. I'm glad I did that then. And then I slowly started to like integrate myself with like more people. And then pandemic kind of happened. And then you're kind of just like back to square one. Cause mm-hmm. Sarah, don't you remember when it was me, you and Cam, this was definitely pre-corona. I definitely think this was pre-coronavirus times. We were walking down Dundas, Dundas and Shaw. And I told you guys my, like, I really wanted to meet some more queer people. And I mean, listen, I also made a really good friend at the craft who identifies as a lesbian. Like there's people who I slowly started to like, you know, become friends with, but I also feel like I was still hiding this like part of myself that I didn't even know I was doing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I don't know. I don't even know. Like, cause I was, I was always open about my experiences. Even how Kyle mentioned, like I was always open about with him about the girls I liked and the girls I was kissing and the girls I was going on dates with. Yeah, but just because you're open about that stuff doesn't mean you're not hiding a little bit of yourself in the interactions you're having with all of your straight friends. Like, of course, there's going to be a part of you that's just not coming out when you're constantly talking to me, your straight roommate and girlfriend. Yeah, and girlfriend. So it was really it was really difficult to tell you about my experiences. Yeah, it's um, tough. <laughs> but looking back, I find that's kind of interesting because I, as much as I was, I was open to meeting a, a bunch of people, I feel like I know some a lot of queer people who really like have their group of queer friends and they all do things together and they just have yeah. that to like, they have that group. And I just never had that. And I, re- I remember so many times talking about this with you and we would, lit- it felt like we were getting out like a whiteboard to figure out like a game plan for how you can meet more queer friends. Like yeah. there were, there were um, lesbian bars in the area that we were like maybe we can go there more like shout out to the beaver in Toronto maybe we can go to the beaver more and maybe we can just meet more like queer girls no matter how how close we are as friends there is a wall like there's a level I of there's something that I can't provide you that a queer friend could connect with you on a whole other level on and that's just the truth you know what that I never actually thought of it that way yeah, it's not you're not saying like I don't have I don't I don't have enough friends. You're saying no matter how much I talk about it openly with my straight friends, there's just always going to be something that I don't get from that relationship that I'm missing, basically. You felt like there was something missing. Yeah, I did. And I think that sometimes when like I would have those connections, there were very like one-on-one relationships though, right? Like I didn't have like a group of queer friends. It was more yeah, like the yeah. one-on-one. Like I at the time, Shannon, Kyle, Sarah. Oh my God. I'm like naming all these names. I'm going to like check. That's okay. I'm naming all (laughs) y'all, but it's, it's true. And then, and then now in 2021, 2020, I have been connecting with a lot of more, more queer people and it's amazing and it feels really good. But I guess I was always a little envious of the people who had their like queer group. Yeah. And I I think a lot, a lot of them formed from early days on the internet. I think that's how a lot of these queer groups became to be. Tumblr days, you know, you, but I was too closeted then to ever be confident to like reach out to someone on Tumblr when I was 16, 17. But totally, yeah. whatever, it's never too late. And I'm grateful for the, like the relationships I have now and that I had back then. But it is still a struggle. It is still a struggle for you. It is, it is still a struggle. And I mean, now we're in a pandemic, so it's even more of a struggle. Because I think the thing that always frustrated us when we talked about this was we moved to Toronto. We moved to the 
the most bustling city in the whole country full of queer people. And so why are you struggling to meet other queer people? Like, why? And we couldn't really figure it out. So what do you think was stopping you from like meeting a group of queer friends? If I'm going to say a group, um, I think it was confidence for sure within myself. I struggled with really coming to terms with exactly who I was. Like I said, honestly, Sarah, for the first, let's say, um, we moved in together in 2014. Yep. I want to say it was like three years of that. Don't you recall I was only going on dates with men, seeing going on like men always. Yeah. Up until for a while, up until my first experience with a woman. This is what's really interesting is I feel like. I think I was always open with you from the get-go being like, I'm bi, by the way. I'm pretty sure on the first or second night, whenever we moved in together, because I opened up to you about someone I liked in high school who was still my really good friend. But I never like pursued other women whenever I, which was fine. Like I I was also figuring it out. So, because I was like, I want to also go on dates with men. And the funniest thing I always remember is when you and I filmed a photo booth video and we were talking about (laughs) who our ideal men would be. Oh my God. What did you what did I say? What did you say? Okay. I remember what I said, but I don't remember what you said. Oh my God. I want to know. Okay. But go on. I really wish we could find the clip, but I remember we predicted our futures. We predicted our futures and you told me, and I also agreed that I would be with a guy who is exactly like my sister's husband. Oh my God. That, I mean, to be fair, those were the guys that you were, you were dating. Totally. So shout out to Josh. Shout out to Josh. (laughs) But I remember being like, oh my God, I love their relationship. I also like the kind of guy he is. Like I like someone who's really nice and friendly. And like, I just remember being like, that's the type I would see. Like someone I can be like best friends with. And it's just like funny to look back at and then just obviously see how the tables have turned. But (laughs) oh God, truly for so many years, I was so focused on men. And like I said, that's okay. That was something I believe that's what I wanted at the time. And I identified as bi. But anytime I'd have feelings for women, it was, I wasn't pursuing girls on like dating apps. It was like, I remember when I had a crush on someone at the restaurant, but I feel like during that time, I feel like I'd always have like a girl in my radar who I was like, they're so cute, but I wasn't like also going on apps to like date other women. And I think that also held me back from maybe being like, Persis, like maybe you just like you should explore the side of yourself more and like maybe reach out to people who also identify with you I just wasn't doing that yeah you were figuring it out though and and it's all a journey but I I think another interesting point is that Kyle actually brought up to us is like he has a really great core group of um, gay friends and he actually met a few of them through like dating apps and or um, like kind of more like dating relationship type situations um and then they stayed friends and then they introduced him to other friends and then they all became a group of friends so i think a lot of times in queer communities like we've talked about how gay girls tend to stay friends after they date i think it's very common to like meet your core people through like dating experiences or dating apps so i think that could have also been maybe a a small thing holding you back since you weren't pursuing women purposefully Maybe that was also holding you back from like actually meeting a group of of queer girls or having more queer friends. Maybe. You're right. And I think that's what's something I've never even talked to you about this before. I don't think much, but 
it's interesting that I feel like I would have these like feelings for girls who I'd met in real life situations, but I wasn't trying to date girls on apps. And sometimes I wonder why. I remember I tried it once on Plenty of Fish and then I just like didn't meet anyone. Um, (laughs) I think I remember that. I only started to go on dates with girls. I want to say in like, like dates, like real, real dates, like 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It took, it took a hot second, but there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it does really spotlight the fact that it's not easy. You can be in a city like Toronto that's just full of fluid people all living really close to each other. And you can still struggle to figure out what's going on and to, and to find your, your queer friends. I remember one, this, this purse, this was like a year ago. Oh no. Maybe that I remember I I was sitting at one of my favorite coffee shops in the city. Shout out to Saving Gigi. I was sitting and there was a group of girls sitting behind me and they were close enough that I could like hear what they were saying. As soon as they started, as soon as they sat down, they were all talking about like the girls they were dating, et cetera, et cetera. Like it was clear that all of them were queer right off the bat, just the way they were talking about like their what was going on in their lives and probably for 45 minutes I sat there just psyching myself up to turn around and be like hey guys this might be kind of weird my best friend's queer she doesn't have any like a group of queer friends she's trying to find queer friends in the city like would any of you be down to like shoot her a message or maybe I can grab your contact like something along those lines and for like 45 minutes maybe I sat there psyching myself up and then they all left and went away and I was just like so mad at myself for not doing it but that's the level of like I think that was the level we were at where we were like we I just wanted you to find like a core group of queer friends so badly I was like gonna ask some strangers at the coffee shop if they could like message you (laughs) I know I know and listen so like this is what's funny is that it's it's not like like if it happens, it happens naturally, right? Like I said, I'm really grateful for the queer connections I have had. And yeah. I, I, I'm also open to it. And I feel like, like I said, I think the pandemic just came at a time where like I was starting to kind of like hang out with these people more. And then it was like, oh wait, COVID, goodbye. So then I was like, oh my yeah. God. But it's totally fine. I'm also now at a point where I'm so confident in myself that, and my sexuality, I should say my, I'm got you know your girl sometimes has some moments when she's insecure but I'm who doesn't the one thing I can say I'm very confident in is my sexuality and what I want and what I like and who I like and I think I'm at a really good place to fully like if I have a core group of queer friends it's like I'm I'm ready to do you know what I mean yeah well I was just gonna say I think like you've grown to such a place that as soon as this pandemic is over like it's game over for all the queer girls in Toronto. Like you're going full speed after this. And I'm not talking about like dating. I'm talking about just like, you're just going to like find your, you have amazing friends right now, but that's not what we're saying. You're going to have a ton more friendships and relationships with queer people after this. (laughs) After this pandemic is done, it's going down. Oh my God. And like I said, it's so funny because I, all my friends are queer in in terms of my high school, my core group of girls. They don't live in Toronto, but they we we have that to talk about. And I think that's, that's true, yeah. Beautiful. Especially one of my friends, like we really connected right off the bat, like sooner when she kind of came out to me and I was like, I came out, like we both like started talking to each other. So that was that was amazing. But I, I definitely think like having that group in Toronto would have been very beneficial, I think, in the early stages, because I think I would have maybe figured myself out more 
earlier when I heard someone else kind of talking about their experiences, but, and then I'd be like, oh my God, that's me. Hello. Like, obviously. Thank you for pointing out that about your high school friends. And we should also point out that like, they were still figuring out what was going on with their own sexuality. So it wasn't like you were all figuring it out. And then you, you kind of all came together at some point and we're like, okay, we're all kind of queer, but um, that doesn't make your friendships any, any different or any less like important before you knew that or after you knew that it's just like, there's a, there's a connection you can have that you, that you and I can't have. Like, that's just the truth. We're best friends. And there's just like this, there's always going to be something that you, that's going to be disconnected from us when we talk about that. Yeah, that's the reality, right? But I think at the end of the day, like that's not, it's important for me to have that. But that doesn't take away like, like my relationship with you and how I feel about you. Yeah, I know how you feel about me. Yeah, exactly. I guess the whole point of, of Catherine's mailbag and what we're kind of talking about today is how important community is to queer people specifically. And I think on a base level, queer people feel othered that's just like the that's just the base is for some reason they feel like they are different from the societal norm and so that's why community is is not only important for their mental health but it's important for their physical safety and there's a lot of different ways that people can find community in the queer world but there's kind of like three main buckets and the first is one that Catherine talked about, one that Persis has talked about, and one that just I think is probably the most important right now is social media and just online. And so I found um, an article in the Washington Post, and it was written by someone who identifies as non-binary, and they actually came out when they were 39, I think it said. So they, I think they called themselves a late bloomer. They were like, I was 39 when I figured out what the hell was going on. They weren't able to find their safe space, their space where they could be themselves until they were 39 and they went on the internet and found it. Um, And so this article kind of talks about how important that was for them, but then it kind of goes into LGBTQIA plus youth and how right now, right now kids are online, like kids and teens, they're online. That's their whole world. And there are so many communities for them. It's not just social media. It's also like Discord and like chat room, chat rooms and like um, even like and, even like TikTok. Yeah, hundred percent. I guess you know it's all social media. <laughs> it's all social media. It's all social media. But I feel like TikTok. As I was is, saying them. I was like, these are social media. TikTok is something I kind of want to call out because I feel like some people even found out they were gay because of TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I literally know someone who told me that she now identifies as um open. She'd never done it before. But when she was on her For You page, so the way TikTok works is that it, um, for anyone who's maybe not using TikTok, is that eventually the algorithm caters to what you're interested in. You know, they kind of get a feel for like what kind of videos you want to see, just based on like how long you like stay on certain things that are on your For You page, who you're following, all that jazz. You know how that works. Anyway, yeah, we know. I found this so fascinating, but I saw my friend on a dating app for women, like, like she at the time was, um, single, but I saw her on a dating app and I was like, girl, I didn't know this about you. And I obviously swiped yes on her because it's my friend and we were chatting and I was like, Hey, I didn't know you were like open to women too. And she was like, yeah. She's like, I honestly like discovered I was kind of probably into women through TikTok. And I've heard that like from even like this TikTok influencer, she ended up being like, yeah, it was like TikTok that kind of made me gay. So it's just interesting how some of these things can work. 
And ha- like how? Like just seeing queer women on TikTok? Yep. Seeing queer women and realizing like, oh, I think I'm like attracted to this girl. It was very interesting. Some of the videos that were being like thrown at them, they were like, oh, I've never like looked at women in this way before, but now I'm kind of like feeling something. Yes. TikTok, social media. The important thing about it is like, it's really, it's really a place for youth and, and teens to feel safe and feel supported, but it's, it's really anyone of any age. What I find interesting about the online community in particular is like, it's the world, right? Like it's the world in your hand. So it's more, it's a bigger community than we've ever been able to have in all of humanity, right? Right in our, in our fingertips. But when we're interacting with it, we're typically alone, we're typically by ourselves in our in our homes or whatever, maybe scrolling or chatting with someone. So I think it's this interesting mix of like the biggest community we've ever had access to, while also this sense of isolation that feels kind of safe and this this place where we're technically alone in the physical in the physical where we are. So we are free to kind of be who we who we are. And it's a bit of like, a, it's a safe space because we're alone and we're, we don't have to go face to face to anyone and we can kind of be through a screen. But we also have access to like the entire world right at our fingers. So it's, I feel like it's a good mix of both. Well, I was going to say I used Tumblr as a safe space when I was in high school. So I wasn't actually talking to other queer people on Tumblr, but I would post about the girl I liked on Tumblr all the time because I knew it was a safe space. Oh, what would you say? Okay, one, I would reblog all these posts that are like, you're the person I want to see at the end of the day. Oh. Um, <laughs> like, oh my God, okay. Like I would post things like, it's you, it's always been you. Oh my God, do you have any? Did you do any original Tumblr posts? No. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But if you see anything like, hold on. You know what? I'm going to tell the audience to follow it. Trip dash two dash your heart together dot tumblr dot com. I'm going to it right now. <laughs> oh my God, Sarah, I'm dying. If we don't talk again, remember I love you. That's what you said. But if you ever get sick of me, I would, <laughs> I would sleep better with you next to me. <laughs> yeah. Are you cringing? No, not in the least. I'm loving this. I Oh my God, I wrote the... No, I didn't write this. Oh, this is something I reblogged. I like clingy. I like when people purposefully grab my hand to show people... <laughs> Hold on. To show people what? To show people what? Okay, I reblogged this. I like clingy. I like when people purposefully grab my hand to show people I'm theirs. I like that when something excited happens during the day. I'm the first person you want to tell. I like coming back to an I miss you text message when I'm in class or taking a nap. I like that you random call at one in the morning just because you wanted to hear my voice. I like gestures that show I'm important and you enjoy having me in your life. Aw. That is peak purses right there. I want someone to think she's my happy ending. Oh my god. Whoa. I'm so glad I like found this. This is because I, you had feelings. I literally like knew this was all about the the girl from high school. How do you think that truly helped you? Was it just like, this is just a, this is just a place for me to, to engage, not even like write my own stuff, but just engage and have this part of me represented somehow. 
even if no one knew what I was reblogging about. Like it was just a place for me to know personally, like such a solo experience. It was all solo. The girl definitely followed it, but I don't think she knew any of it was about her. I doubt it. But I was like, it for some reason felt like an escape for me. And I was also seeing a lot of like girl on girl. Love saying girl on girl. Me too. Like videos and and like gifs that I would reblog of girls making out, girls laying in bed together and cuddling. Okay. So you would reblog that. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's like that's that's just more explicitly expressing who you are than like the reblogging of the like I you know, let's make out to Arctic monkeys. Mm-hmm. Oh, anytime I reblogged anything with a woman, I always thought of her. How do you politely tell someone that you want them naked on top of you? Oh, Persis. <laughs> 16-year-old Purse was feeling herself. I don't know. I feel like it's almost um, so obvious to be like, social media is a great place to find community. But I think when it comes to the queer community, like this, it, it, there really is no comparison to how you can see yourself represented in anywhere on the internet nowadays. Um, oh my God, that made me sound so old. And YouTube. I mean, I've mentioned yeah, this before. Yeah. But Shannon Beveridge's channel, Now This Is Living, really helped me. Because when I saw her and Cammie Scott's relationship when they were dating at the time, really finally made me think, this is what I want. And this was in 2017. And I remember being like, I'm getting excited, like watching their videos because I love seeing how cute they are. And I was like, whoa, I I want that. And it's like a very refreshing feeling when you get that because something was up with me and, and men. I wasn't getting that same connection that I was getting with girls and Sarah has seen this. Sarah and I have gone through it, but she saw how excited I would get with people who maybe weren't like good for me at the time, but it all made sense later. Yeah, and the fact that you can watch a YouTube video of two people you've never met and you will never meet potentially. My point is you you don't know these people and you're watching it and you're literally realizing things about yourself from two girls talking on a video. Like that's powerful and you can you can say what you want about social media, but that is some powerful shit, especially for like young kids. And I'm thinking like I'm thinking a lot about like young trans youth who are like they're maybe they live in a place where there is no one like them around. They're gonna find that on social media or the internet. There's nowhere else, um, and uh, that's important. That's I want that to happen because I think that's like one of the biggest issues that we still need to tackle is. We've talked about in our last episode, transphobia and more trans awareness. I was going to move on to the second place where a lot of queer people find community, which is bars and clubs, baby. And? I be up in the club. Uh, I be up in the club. Girls. Oh. Bins in my grills. Grills. I sit in low. Got that flow. Evacuate the dance floor. This is very important to me, especially in pandemic times is saving queer spaces and I can't tell you and I I will never take gay bars or clubs for granted because that's really something I've been missing and I've been telling I've been telling Camille this a lot as well just being like I really miss dancing and Sarah you and I you and I love to dance we Mm -hmm. love a dance party Mm -hmm. we love putting on some music having a drink and just dancing there's nothing better there's really nothing better and i mean we're, we're still in coronavirus times i'm really hoping for positive changes soon and i think like the one thing i really hope is that some of these places survive especially these queer spaces because i didn't realize how much it 
it feels like a safe space. For me, I've been very lucky to kind of always feel safe. And I think it's because of the way I look. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think we've talked about this before, Sarah, but I, if you saw me on the street, you probably would think I'm like a straight girl. Truly, you probably would. And I think that like, there's also a negativity that comes with that, that I have had to deal with, with people maybe not taking me seriously for actually like my feelings for women and how I actually feel about girls. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. still, I think I've never felt more myself than being in Cruise and Tangos or being at the Beaver or being at Woody's. All Toronto gay bars, in case you didn't know. Yeah, sorry. Those are all Toronto gay bars. And actually, I will give a shout out to the Abbey in LA. That that queer scene in LA is also amazing. Um, I've been to LA once and like I hit up all the gay bars on my last night with my cousin. It was the best. They're great spaces. And we talked about this with Kyle um, on our last episode, but we were saying how you walk in and you automatically feel this like it's almost like you walk into like a big hug. The lights are very like dim. There's pop music playing. It's blaring. There's a drag show. People are dancing. People are wearing whatever they want. And it's all just love. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I don't feel that a lot of the time. Sometimes with like regular bars we go to, sometimes you're dealing with like the, the weirdest people, but I feel like you can walk into cruise and feel safe. Yeah, there's a level, also a level of superficiality that happens um, in like stereotypically, I guess I'm just going to say non-gay bars. Like there's just a level of like everyone's trying to be cool or everyone's trying to impress each other or everyone's trying to not make a fool of themselves. That, that, like that can that can sometimes be the underlying tone when you walk into a non-gay bar. But I've noticed walking in, as a straight person, walking into a gay bar, it's electric. Like there, it's like everyone left their superficiality at the door and every, as soon as you go in, you're yourself and you're, you're just, there's a level of freedom. And I'm not saying that like, not every gay bar is going to be like that. And, and there's still going to be moments when you're in a gay bar and you're like trying to impress someone or maybe, maybe you don't feel totally um, yourself, but I think the general, the general energy, as soon as you walk in, it's, it's exactly like you said, it's instant. It's like night and day. Once you get in there, like you can just kind of be, and it really is, it really is like an inclusive experience, whether you're queer or not. And I was kind of curious about like maybe a little bit of the history of why, where gay bars started or why gay gay bars have become such a safe space. And I found this article on this online pub called Attention. Um, it was written by Kyle Fitzpatrick. It was actually written after the Pulse nightclub shootings to, as kind of um, a think piece about why gay bars are so important. And um, basically the article says, gay bars and other LGBT spaces are historic places of belonging where queer persons can go to learn and find themselves in community. And historically, gay bars function as sites for the development of gay culture, but also for political movements. So when police started raiding gay bars in the 1950s and the 1960s, that's when automatically, because the police are raiding the bars, they became like political zones and people started to fight back. And that's when things like the Stonewall riots happened. And then the article also said, gay bars are historically the original safe space, a place where people could gather without threat. And that is still true today, no matter how large and supplanting technology seems to be. Um, and I think that was a really interesting point that um, that last quote 
social media and the internet is, is always going to be important for queer people moving forward and, and in the past, but there is this level, this different level when you're in a, an actual physical queer space with with other queer people that it's really hard to replicate on the internet. And I like how um, he said it was like the original safe space. Yeah. I really like that line. Before think- the internet, right? Yeah, like that's when you don't have the internet, like you're going to gather in physical spaces. And I feel like I could totally see that during that time to be like, that's the place I'm going to go to feel like I can be myself. Yeah. And if you think about a bar also, like a bar is enclosed. It's usually dark. It's usually like, it almost feels like another whole world or environment when you go in. So it's not like, it's not necessarily like their safe space was like gathering in a park. Like they had to go to a place that was enclosed in order to feel safe. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's kind of where, I feel like that's where like the whole bar aspect comes in a little bit is like, it's such a separate environment from the outside world. It feels like this little bubble, the safe bubble where you you can be yourself and you also don't have to feel threatened in um, any way, physically or otherwise. I never even looked at it that way because I feel like we've all, we've grown up in the age of having the internet always available to us. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, I do want to say really quickly, I can't wait for this pandemic to be over because I miss my safe space. Yeah, P. And we are going to go there and we are going to dance. Honestly, the our first time like at Cruise and Tango after this, I can't even picture what it's going to be like. Me neither. I think it's going to be mayhem. Like I'm yep. just going to be, it, you know, you just can never predict that this would have ever happened. Right. So I think like the last time I was at cruise, who would have thought that would have actually been my last time at cruise for like two years. Should our first live podcast episode be at cruise? Yeah, I think we should, we should record it at cruise. Queer people, they find their communities on social media, online. They find them in bars, they find them in clubs. But another place that a lot of queer people are really, especially now with the increase in media representation, are starting to see their community kind of growing is through art and culture. And they can be watching a movie, they can be listening to an album, they can be just really engaged with a TV show, whatever it is. It's, I think it's so possible now to feel a part of a larger community, whether you're actually engaging with real people or not. Even if you're just sitting in your, on your couch watching Netflix, watching Ginny and Georgia, for example, and seeing Umberly, like you can feel a part of a bigger community that you know is also watching Ginny and Georgia and seeing this representation, even without talking to them. The, this is one of my favorite buckets that we're getting into because arts and culture, and I know Catherine related to this, like she said in her note, South of Nowhere, the 100, where she kind of met her fandom of like friends, queer friends, and then watching Umberly on Ginny and Georgia. Huge, huge. Because we've talked about this multiple times, Sarah, but queer representation is so helpful. As humans, we soak up the media. I know I did. And I, like I said, I literally felt like I was seen and heard, heard, even though I didn't say anything, but I felt like I was heard when I even watched Cammy and Shannon on YouTube. Okay. The cool thing about art and culture is like, like, like I said, you can, you can watch a, watch a movie and feel instantly kind of engaged with a larger community without talking to anyone. But then someone like Catherine is a great example of how you can turn that um, experience of watching that TV show or that movie that you really love and then find an actual community of real people, which is what she did. That is also powerful. That is, um, as much as we talk about how important queer representation is on its own, there's a whole other layer of it where people are finding real community 
real friendships, real ways to connect through these characters and through these TV shows. It's it's very it's very tangible. Like Catherine met real people from this. You know what I'm saying? It's not just like make believe. No, it's it it's real. And like I said, I commend her for doing that because I think like that also takes guts to put yourself out there and then meet these other people who are on the same wavelength as you but you like you you said it so well it's tangible and she was able to like make connections off of this and that's what's so beautiful about art art brings people together and um it's escapism it's a form of escapism at least i would kind of look into that we haven't even talked about this yet, but I was totally thinking about how I was into Pretty Little Liars when I was in grade 10. I kind of forgot how much I resonated with Shay Mitchell, her character, Emily, and right. then the girlfriend she dates in the show, Maya. Right. Two femme-presenting women. I was 15. I didn't mm. even realize, but I saw a TikTok that showed the two of them kissing. Like, it showed up on my For You page, and it was saying, like, how these two were like some of the OGs, like for a lot of girls to realize they were gay. And I remember seeing that scene of the two of them in the kissing booth or no photo booth, photo booth, <laughs> kissing booth. LOL. Same, 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 same. Um, and they're both like looking at each other and they're both giving each other eyes and then they both just kiss. And I, as 15, I don't even think I had met Alice yet, but I was like, I felt something. And I was mm-hmm. definitely attracted to Shay Mitchell. Are you kidding? I was like, who isn't? Who isn't? I was like, Shay is so cute. She's um, also your type. Yeah, I actually forgot about that. Um, that entire show, <laughs> to be honest. And I actually read the Pretty Little Liars book, so I so I knew that whole storyline. Me too. Yeah, it was great. I loved those books. I didn't like love the show, but the books were great. I feel like even young persons being like, oh, I've, I'm feeling something. Like, you didn't realize it, but you were a part of a bigger community there of other girls your age who were also watching it being like, oh, my God, I feel something. Or like, oh, my God, I think I, I, think I want this. Just because that's not a tangible community does not mean it's not a real community. That's real. That's, and it's important. And I think we can be cynical about art all we want and it doesn't matter it's art is important it especially for the queer community and we're going to keep asking for more media representation and i think we're going to keep getting it that the trajectory is we're getting more like it's really going up yes and i did want to point out too that i find what i've been admiring about lately in shows i've seen and i think the most recent ones i can talk to are atypical and uh, Ginny and georgia i like that they don't put emphasis too much on the characters labels even in atypical when they talk about um casey and izzy's relationship you don't know how each of them identify but you know they like each other and like we talked about with umberly on our episode with sophie and max's character actually you do know max is a is gay i she on the show talks about being gay but what i like about umberly's character sophie you don't know you know she had a boyfriend you know she um, has been open in the past, but it's, there doesn't have to be that emphasis. It's kind of like they're dating and then the friends don't even question it. And the same kind of goes with atypical. Even when Casey and Izzy start dating, no one questions it like, oh, Casey's dating a girl. Izzy's yeah. dating a girl. It's like, yeah, it's just a part of um, the group. And sometimes I wonder how that would have been if that was the case when I was in high school. Let's say I started dating a girl mm-hmm. in high school. How would my grade would have? How would the grade react? How would your grades be? <laughs> my grades would be my grades would be bad. They would be can bad. I, girl. Can I tell you? Uh, can I tell you something? Yeah, always. 
Oh my God. I had a really, I had a big project due one time. Okay. This is, this is how Persa should have known she was gay. Mm. Um, I had a really big project due like one time. <laughs> I was in grade 11. Yeah. And it was an anthropology project. Jessica Kohak, shout out, will always remembers this and she always brings it up to me and we laugh about it. Okay, love that. But the girl I liked at the time, and I didn't know I liked her. I was figuring it out, but I had a connection to her. She was going through something and she was like, I need to, can I come over? Like, can I sleep over? Like, I'm going through a really rough time. Me, of course, knowing I had a big anthro project the next day that I needed to work on, didn't care. <laughs> didn't, of course not. didn't care. I, of course not. I told her, come over, come over, of course. She stayed. I ended up rushing through that project. I literally like pasted things on a Bristol board. It looked really bad. <laughs> yeah. My mom got so mad at me too because she was like, Persis, like you could have just told your friend like not to come over. Like, I don't understand why you. Now do you understand mom? Yeah, mom. Mom, it's because I liked her. Because I liked her. Did you get a bad grade? Oh yeah. My, my prof, prof, my teacher. <laughs> my teacher actually, because, because prior to that, my teacher, like I was doing really well in anthro. <laughs> and, um, my, oh my God. That one project was, I just don't think she expected that. She was like, persist. So she actually like, she like asked me if everything was like, okay. And I remember just being like, oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm just a little overwhelmed with like work, right? School work right now. And she's like, it just looks like you pasted all this at like 3 a.m. on like a, <laughs> like the night before. And I was like, I really wish that like 17 year old Persis could have just said, you know what? I have a massive crush on this girl. She was having a hard time. She needed to come over and I just couldn't say no. And that's why my project was awful. But also my, my I'm sure my teacher would have been like, that's almost the equivalent of me telling you, I'm sorry, I'm getting bad grades because I have a crush on a boy in high school. She'd be like, girl, I don't care. <laughs> that is the equivalent. <laughs> exact same thing. Oh my God. Wow. You were willing to sacrifice your grades. Yes. You were willing to sacrifice your potential. You could have not graduated from high school because of this. <laughs> All because of her. I know, but it's just, it's, yeah, like we said, my, how my grades would have reacted and how my grade would have reacted if I started oh dating God. a girl. Honestly, I know we talk about how, like, we wish you could have dated a girl in high school, but honestly, if you did, I don't know if you would have graduated. <laughs> just based on, like, the intense emotions I would have been feeling as a <laughs> yes, teen. straight up, straight up. And also, like, you're having real, like, sleepover sleepovers and you, like, would not get anything done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, so true. Actually, yeah. listen, everything happens for a reason. I learned as a teen, learned so much, but it's actually kind of true. Like if I was dating her, would I have done any work? No. But, but that's okay. But don't you think, I know it's my personality, but don't you think like you would have done the same thing? No. <laughs> have you met me? <laughs> Sarah. Purse. Okay, if the love of your life who was a boy was like, Sarah, can I come over? I'm having a bad day. Would you be like, I'm sorry, I need to work on my project? Actually, you probably would have. 100%. Have you met me? <laughs> no. 100%. I would have been like, sorry, not tonight. <laughs> okay, Purse, is there anything else you want to say about community or finding queer spaces or Catherine and her story? I 
want to say first and foremost, Catherine, thank you so much for being so open with Sarah and I. You have no idea. I think it takes a lot of courage to open up to complete strangers. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's it's courage, but it's also like it's also like a nice little safe space where you don't actually know them, so you can totally be yourself. You can be yourself. You have a safe space in girl on girl. I hope you know that. And yep. I hope uh, we we have your back and we're really excited that this was like our first opportunity to share something from like someone's story from like an audio note. Like I think it's like very like Sarah and I were really giddy over this. Like this is very exciting. Yeah, we just love the idea that you guys are like sharing with us. Like we've said before, um, we're getting messages and we're so excited to hear them. So if anyone else wants to send in a mailbag, do it don't actually mail us anything because we're not going to give you our address but actually maybe we should because that would be nice but just get a p.o box yeah we're gonna get a p.o box just shoot (laughs) us shoot us a dm let us know like let us know your story let us know what you want to hear on the pod feel free to send us your audio notes send us your stories write us a poem write us a love note it might just end up on the podcast and um To come back to community, I think I just want to say that it's very important. I think that's known. Community is very important, but it really does help people. And I I just wanted to put it out there. If anyone does feel like they're stuck and they're struggling with their sexuality, reach out to Sarah and I. We we can also be that community for you if you need it. And I've, I've been so grateful to connect with other people from all around the world. And I know Sarah has too. And it really like warms my heart because we never used to have this years ago. To be able to mm. talk to people from anywhere, it's like actually a crazy thing. And I just want, I just hope everyone just like lives their lives and we're all living our truths and we're going to be happy. That's all I want. I'm going to put that out there that we're all going to be ourselves. And Sarah is a little smiling and giggling at me because I know it sounds very like cliche, but it's exactly what I want for this world. I'm not giggling. I am smiling with pride. And with pride, eh? Yeah, that's right. You know what I'm saying? Understatement of the century, community is important, but for queer people, community is essential. Um, and I'm I learned a lot about that through you, Purse, through your struggles with finding community. And I'm really grateful that you've been able to you've been able to find queer friends, you've been able to create a queer community on Girl on Girl, but also through your own YouTube channel. You kind of just decided to do it on your own almost, um, which is pretty baller. So yeah, if you are listening to this and you identify as queer and you're struggling to find a community, use the tools at your discretion. Go online, find safe spaces in your community, like your actual physical community in your town where you live. Find safe spaces online. Find um, people who love the same movies as you and the same TV shows. They're out there. They're, they want to be friends with you. And all you have to do is, is put yourself out there and ask and you can find some amazing queer friends. Hey, and whenever you're in doubt, if you're like, I don't know where to look, if you need some some outlet, <clears throat> you know, just go to www.trip-2-yourheart mm-hmm. dash mm-hmm. dash dash your heart together.tumblr.com. Mm, that's right. And that is where the real community is. And that's the only reason why we wanted to talk about this. <laughs> For everyone to go find my Tumblr. Yeah, listen, it's the CTA of this episode. But I'm just so happy that that exists. I wish I could go to it. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's saying like it's not safe. Like we're telling people to go and then meanwhile you try to go and it's like people are going to attack your computer if you go to this website. Legitimately, <laughs> that's, what, that's what Chrome told me. That's what it said. 
Okay, purse. What are we talking about for in case you missed it today? So this is going to be a really quick one, but something that I'm actually very excited about because for right now at the time, Sarah and I, when we're recording this episode, this actually hasn't come out yet, but it is coming out April 30th. So it will be out by the time this episode drops. Yes. So I wanted to talk about someone in the queer community who I absolutely love. Her name is Lauren Abedini and she goes by Kittens. She is an LA-based DJ and... I discovered her in 2017, honestly, just through, th- through social media. There were rumors that her and Demi Lovato had a thing. So naturally, like through just my own social feed, I saw her and I remember just being like, this woman is so pretty. And I also followed her Insta and she's very outspoken about gay rights. And um, I also, at the time, was very interested in DJing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I miss that. Purse had like a turntable and everything. I still do. It's like, I have it. I can bring it out anytime. Um, Okay. Well, can you DJ my wedding? Yes. That's going to be the goal. Sarah and I, as Girl on Girl, are really happy to announce that Kittens is actually launching a new series called She, Her, They. So each week, she's going to have special guests who transcend through I'm, I'm actually i'm gonna read her instagram post because i feel like she just describes it better than i what i can probably do yeah she, she goes each week i invite very special guests who transcend identity expectations to give their takes on authenticity gender creativity and figuring out life outside the boxes and binaries it'll be available on all podcast platforms and youtube so body slam that subscribe button so what's actually interesting is she said this all started from a playlist i made highlighting queer women femmes, and gender non-conforming artists a while ago and has bloomed into something I'm so proud of. This is for all the people who have pushed boundaries and overcome obstacles to just be their true selves. This is for all the people who have the desire to be themselves despite society constantly telling them not to. No matter your pronouns, gender, presentation, and sexuality, I hope this space feels safe and welcoming. I can't wait to expand and amplify more incredible human stories. But for now, here's season one. Season one includes iconic and rising LGBTQ plus women and femme artists, Demi Lovato, Haley Kiyoko, Sid from the internet, my girl Sid, mm-hmm. Lauren Haregi from Fifth Harmony, Donna Masal, I, I hope I'm saying this name right, Asian, and, I Zy- that. and Zylo. I really hope I, I hope I said that right. But anyway, um, Sarah and I just wanted to highlight this because I actually feel like a lot of what Kittens is trying to put out there is very similar to what girl on girl is trying to put out there as well. And I think obviously she has like these badass guests on the show and it's incredible. Well, we're having Demi Lovato on the show next week. So it's not that different. Sarah, you weren't supposed to, you weren't supposed to say that yet. Oh shit. Okay. Can you just cut that out? Yeah. yeah. We might get sued actually if we keep that in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's okay. I can talk to her. (laughs) But anyway, just wanted to show some love to kittens because I actually met kittens briefly in LA. Sarah, can we tell the story when Gabe was actually messaging you? Because I think this would actually be kind of funny for the audience on how I tried to talk to kittens. Sure. I don't really remember what happened, but yeah. You don't? Okay. I remember. So my cousin Gabe and I went to LA and we happened to go to this like DJ Adidas event because we knew kittens was performing. And we're also, listen, we were only in LA for the week. We were not too far from where she was. And we're like, let's go. Like her mixes are dope. Like, let's just check this place out. And we get there. We're having a good time. Um, I will admit I was on an edible. So was Gabe. So we were just living our best damn lives. And that's right. 
So Kittens is there and Gabe is like, you got to talk to her. But at one point I was like, yeah, I want to. And I'll tell her we're like, we're from Toronto and we're just like here for a bit. And I think Gabe was also messaging Sarah at the same time. And they were both like trying to encourage me to like go up and just talk to Kittens like a normal human. Yeah. I literally can't tell you how long it took me to just walk up to her and say hello. I walked past her. I remember just being like, I'm going to go talk to her. I walked past her, then turned around. My eyes are red. <laughs> oh my God. Your eyes. Okay. Now I remember like the, the pictures of your eyes. I had never seen you like that. Mm-hmm. You look like an alien. <laughs> <laughs> and just like picturing what you were seeing through your eyes, but you were like psyching yourself up to go talk to her. It was just hilarious because I was like, all I need to do is say, hey, loved your set. By the way, my cousin and I are from Toronto and we like wanted to come out and see you. That's all I had to say. I didn't even know how to do it. So I remember just, I walked by her totally alone, didn't have a destination to go to, turned around. (laughs) (laughs) Gabe was like, Persis, that was so dumb. What, What are you doing? I eventually did talk to kittens and she's nice. It was very brief, but I was like, exactly what I said. Then I went to the mirror looked at my eyes and I was like this girl was probably like this chick is <laughs> this chick is high I was like, oh hey. my god I mean without a doubt without a doubt but if she's listening right now like that took a lot of courage for Persis to do that especially like high Persis and she did it I'm so proud of you and we're proud of kittens for for doing this like we she was so nice in that interaction with you that we we have just loved her ever since. Well, you you more than me, but I love her too. <laughs> we wanted to give her a shout out and it's just kind of funny to look back at because listen, I also like it it's like that internal like gay panic we also all have sometimes, right? Like listen, we get that as well. If you there's a cute guy, you're like, "Oh, I'm going to talk to him." So I kind of felt that as well. I'm like, "Kittens is gorgeous. What am I going to say? I'm going to be weird." percent No, I I'm like I will never walk up to a guy and just say hi. I was going to ask if you think that she'll, do you think um, Kittens will have you on her show, on her new series? Have me? Yeah. Because you made such an impression that night and she knows <laughs> that you're in the queer community. <laughs> yeah. I made an impression for being a high weirdo from Toronto. Uh, she didn't, did you say you were from Toronto? Yeah. Oh, okay. So she knew. I think she is probably digging it. She was probably like, this is funny. No, she was nice. She was like, oh, that's awesome. She's like, wow. Like, and she's like, how long are you here for? And I was like, the week. <laughs> and then, <laughs> okay, guys, if you haven't met Persis when she, when she is like on some substances, like I can only picture she's making it sound like it was just a very casual hello. And I'm telling you right now that it probably wasn't. Sarah. Are you crazy? What do you mean it was? Because this is why, because you're so little, like substances get to you really quick. So if you have like a few drinks, it's very obvious. Like you, you like the, the red eye, you have like an eye thing that goes down, like you're talking differently. I mean, maybe I, I just noticed this, but I'm No, sure it was a very good actor. I feeling some kind of way. Well, you are an actor. That's, that's the truth. She's also very tiny. She's only 5'2". Aw. She's so taller than you. Yeah. An inch. Yeah, <laughs> say it like that. An inch. <laughs> An inch. Kittens, I'm really excited you're um, launching this digital series. I'm excited to watch it. Um, also to see all these artists openly talk about like obstacles they've had to go through. And I think it's important 
we will always push that. We need more of that representation. So you're just another person putting that out there and we want to celebrate that. And also maybe we'll have you on the podcast one day. Yeah, because you're also our competition and uh, just get ready for a little girl on girl action. Okay. But anyway, Sarah, Sarah, <laughs> are we this good? Episode? <laughs> I love you so much. Sorry that we, sorry that we argued, but that's what girl, girlfriends do sometimes. Listen, we're going to argue. We're going to talk it through. And at the end of the day, we want to thank Catherine for bringing us back together. <laughs> Yeah, it was honestly, Catherine, you saved our relationship. So thank you. Um, And thank you everyone for listening. Yes. Thank you guys so much. We're so excited to tune in next week. And (laughs) after Sarah and I go through some counseling. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to do some therapy, but we'll be back after. Maybe we'll, we'll let you guys in on one of our therapy sessions. That would be a great, great episode. It really would. So anyway, I guess I'll just talk to you later. Yeah, we'll talk uh, next week. Next week when we record our next episode? Yeah, not in between. Definitely not tomorrow, not later tonight. Definitely next week. I won't be texting you after this recording. (laughs) Yeah, um, me neither. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah, and thank you everyone for listening. Girl and Girls now ended. Forever. (laughs) This is the end. Hold your breath and count ten. Is that Adele? Yes, it is.